Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Good morning, guys. Um, My name is Tara Collins, and I'm married to Andrew, who's the youth director here. You may have seen him around. Um, And we've been Vine members for about three years. Um, Today I'm going to read the passage for the teaching. Um, So I invite you to turn to the last chapter of Proverbs, Proverbs 31. Um, I'm going to start reading in verse 10. The woman who fears the Lord. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Tara. And so today we are continuing our series of Is It Wise from the book of Proverbs. And we're looking today, obviously, at Proverbs 31. And uh, I I interviewed a few uh, ladies this week from from the Vine and uh, asked them just some questions about this passage and about just the value of being a woman. And uh, one woman said about Proverbs 31, it's that Proverbs 31 can feel like a lot of pressure. Anyone feel that? Uh, You know, she said, she went on to say that this woman sounds like she can do it all and never feels overwhelmed, worried or tired or impatient or resentful. And uh, she said, like, this is a really hard standard and feels like a little bit of a checklist that, you know, you have to kind of check the boxes and somehow you'll be this virtuous woman. And of course, we know that Solomon did not mean that. And we're going to see that from this passage today. So if that's what you're feeling, uh, I just want to disarm you right now and have you listen to the rest of the sermon rather than checking out. Because today, whether, I mean, think about it for men, uh, just what if there was Proverbs 32 and, <laughs> and it was called the virtuous man. The perfect man. And, you know, what would that look like, uh, you know, and all the, you know, the different things uh, of characteristics? And I think we would feel overwhelmed as well. Right, guys? 
And uh, today we're going to see from this passage that Jesus alone fulfills everything found in Proverbs 31. And we'll also see that no matter, no woman can actually meet this standard. So ladies, relax. You cannot achieve perfection. And your goal is not to pursue perfection in your works. You know, as I talked to ladies to this week, uh, another woman said this. She said, I feel the pressure to be perfect everywhere. Society has painted uh, this picture like we women have to be the best, most hardworking, productive employees to get the promotion. We could be dedicated, loving support to our husbands if we're married, feeding our kids all organic food, having them all put together in well-picked-out outfits, ensuring they have perfect manners. And, you know, this is not a reflection on our husbands, but on us. I asked also a high school student just to get a a blend of the generations, and she, she said, it's how many likes on social media I have, making good grades, or how many guys are attracted to me. One mom replied this way. She said this, my personal picture of being a perfect mom is always patient, always loving, always on, with plenty of energy to listen, always handling kids' arguments fairly and justly. Disciplining behavior with the exact right balance of truth and mercy. Being fun, always feeding my kids healthy meals that they like, of course, and making sure my kids all have the opportunities to discover and develop their talents, learn teamwork, and do all of this family time, dinner at home, chores, family recreation, doing this all and making them to be emotionally secure people. You know, this is my job. And she felt the pressure of it. And I loved how one woman defined how she thought the culture defined the worth of a woman. And she said this, I have to keep all the plates spinning without help and look cute while doing it. Okay. It just seems like, you know, this week, um, you know, as I did talk to ladies, I mean, I, my eyes were actually opened to the pressures that many of you women are feeling to kind of pursue perfection in diff different areas of your life. And honestly, as I just start this sermon, I want to say, first, first of all, forgive me for not being aware of this. I mean, I should know this. I'm one of your pastors. Yeah, I am a guy, okay? <laughs> and sometimes, whew. but I realized this week as, as I interviewed so these ladies from our congregation, what you, some of you are feeling. And it's, it's really, really hard. And so it kind of gave me a new perspective and insight just how to care for you and minister the gospel of Christ to you. So thanks for your patience with me and your kindness towards me. You know, if I could summarize the, uh, this woman's definition about what the culture says the value of a woman is, is about. She says, it's what I look like plus what I do and all done independently without help. That's what the worth of a woman is. And that will never be a standard you'll ever reach, ladies. So just give up on it. You see, God's word teaches that the worth of people is tied up with God and his work that he has done to establish us and our relationship with us. 
As we sang earlier, we sang it, did we believe it? Jesus, you are enough. Jesus, you are enough for me. With nothing, I have everything. You know, if we women, if you, uh, if you really believe that, and guys, honestly, for our, if you believe that as well, we'd have a changed church. Honestly, we'd have a revival and awakening. And so today, we need, we desperately need today to know just a couple things from this passage. First of all, the worth of a woman. And then secondly, we're going to look at the work of a woman. Um, you know, again, this was eye-opening for me uh, that Christian women are feeling immense pressure from the culture around them, but also the culture of the church to pursue some kind of unreachable perfection. And again, um, what verse 30 defines, though, for us today, I think what the true, true value of a woman is Look at Proverbs 31.30. It says, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. You see, our value, ladies, is the value of a woman is rooted in the word of God and the Lord himself. It is a woman who fears the Lord. We saw at the beginning of our series in Proverbs, Proverbs 1.7, Mark Pute preached on it. And and and, and Proverbs 1.7 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And we found out that that was the very theme of the entire book of Proverbs. I read this week 15 times that phrase, fear of the Lord, appears. And over and over again, it describes not just a kind of cowering in the corner where we cannot even come into any kind of relationship with this awful or awesome God. No, it's, it's rather this. Fear of the Lord is defined this way. It's hatred of your sin plus a love of God and his work for you. It's a hatred of sin and a love of God and his work he has accomplished for you. And when we have that fear of the Lord, it changes us. You know, I was thinking this week that, you know, you could replace that phrase, fear of the Lord, roughly right with what we talk a lot about here about the gospel, how you preach that to your heart. Repent, believe, obey. How do you repent of your sins? Believe Jesus alone and then obey him and his spirit's leading. So, we need to constantly come here and say to, that, that God has assigned our value. And it's interesting that it says the fear of the Lord. Notice that. It's the name, the Lord, which is the, the word Yahweh. And this name was so holy that the Jewish people could not even say the word. I, lo- I love this definition I found about Yahweh. It says this. The name Yahweh is the perpetual testimony to God's faithfulness to keep his promises. It is used in the Bible to demonstrate God is ever present with his people to save, help, deliver, redeem, bless, and keep covenant. You know, in essence, to summarize it, he he alone is the faithful one keeping all his promises. He is the only one who will always be with you. 
He is the one who is constantly rescuing you. And we know that in the New Testament, that this faithful, ever-present, sin-rescuing God is Jesus. Colossians 1.16 describes Jesus this way. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Jesus is the supreme sovereign sustainer of the world and of your life. Do you believe that? And we know from other passages that he alone can rescue us from our sins. He alone can provide and take away the thing you cannot take from yourself. And he alone can give you his right standing, his righteousness, his perfection. And so God is not looking down at you, saying this to you today. Oh, good, you know. Wow, finally, finally, Tammy, you did it. Or Robin, you finally did it. Or, or finally, Amy, you, you, you crossed the mark. You did it. Or, or Mark or John or Neil. Finally, you have done well. No, he doesn't say that to us. He says, my perfect son has done everything you need. Will you trust me? Will you trust my work? Will you come to me to receive every benefit that I have won the victory for? Your life. And so we see here that first, of, that as we see this whole idea of the, the worth of a woman, that worth is not defined by what I look like, ladies. The, the Bible defines a woman's outer beauty as, 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 as good, but it's not what defines you. It is truly the inner beauty of our heart aligned with God and it's word that is a beauty that is worthy. Proverbs 31 verse 30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Solomon describes this outer beauty over and over again as vain, which means it's not like, it doesn't mean it's bad, it just means it's not going to last. And you might be the most beautiful person in this room or you might be the most beautiful person in your environment, ladies. It's not going to last. You can't hold on to it. Guess what? Wrinkles do appear. <laughs> Hair color changes. Body shape even does. I have, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Beauty is not lasting. It's, it's good, but it just doesn't last. So don't put your hope in it. Put your trust in the Lord. Know him. Know his worthiness. So worth is, is not defined by, by what I look like, nor is worth defined by what I do. When, you, when Tara read today the whole passage, we saw a lot of descriptors. I mean, literally, I had to look up the word distaff. Does anyone know what that means? I mean, there's things this woman does that we can't even understand. It's like, it's, it's the needle that you spin wool and flax with, by the way. I learned that. But, but how many of you ladies 
Aren't you glad that verse 13 says, for you to be godly doesn't mean you have to be able to knit and sew. Anyone glad about that? All right. All right. How about, how about verse 15? To be godly, you have to work, be a workaholic and never get tired, huh? Aren't you glad the Bible doesn't mean that? Or verse 16, that you have to have a finance degree or business savvy to be a woman of godliness. You see, the point of verses 13 through 19 is that show the beauty of a woman is a woman who is aligned with the beauty and greatness of God and his work. If you're aligned with God, you got it all. One, that's one thing. Also, some have said that Proverbs 31 is the corporate woman. It's all you all in the body of Christ, just like in New Testament terms, it calls the beauty of the bride of Christ, plural. All the women coming together with all their gifts, using them the way God has ordered them, make up this beautiful, incredible woman. That, those are just a couple possibilities, but we know it doesn't mean you have to do all these things to be godly. The whole of Scripture says that. In fact, the rest of Proverbs says that as well. You see, so the worth of the woman is, 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 is it's defined by your union with a perfect God. It's defined by coming and fearing this God and hating your sin and loving, knowing him and his work in your life. But secondly, the work of a God-fearing woman. Look at verse 31. It says here, uh, give her the f- of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. You know, often in those cultures, they had communities that were sounded, were gated communities, literally. In verse 31, we see that all the work of a God-fearing woman is fruitful. It brings honor and glory to God. But fruitfulness doesn't flow from your doing, but more from your receiving you see, you know, you've heard this before. You're not a human doing. You're a human being, ladies. First and foremost. And your fruitfulness flows not from your efforts, but from his work. And so what you need is not more doing, but more faith to believe and trust him and his word. A faith in an ever perfect, ever faithful God that we have union with. You see, we were designed to be fruitful in our work, yes. But due to sin, we are not always faithful. And it doesn't mean here in this passage, just the answer is not just go make yourself more fruitful. No, it's go and do to our, it's go and ask God, Lord, help me to be receiving and trusting my union with the ever faithful, perfect God. Do I believe that? And the answer is, honestly, for all of us, including me at times, is no. But if we did believe this, it would change us. And it would cause us to trust him. And we would be freed from the slavery of performance and perfectionism. We would more and more rest in his promises, we sang it earlier, all his promises are yes and amen. Do you believe that? His promises, his work, his faithfulness is what we need to rely on. That's the work that causes us actually to be 
fruitful. We see in the New Testament that the person who rests or relies on God actually uh, becomes that person who will be fruitful in all of their lives. The person who rests in his work in such a way that will cause them to make a difference, be full of meaning and value. And they will promote and advance his name, his kingdom, his glory. Jesus put it this way, John 15, 5. Remember this? He said, I am the vine. You are the branches. What do branches do? They rest in him. They rest in the root. Whoever abides in me, Jesus went on and said, and I in him, he is it that he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, how much can you do? Nothing. Nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so your fruitfulness rests in your really resting, receiving him and his fruitful work. It's, it's different from what the world will ever teach you, but the world will never give you a satisfied heart. A world will never give you the ability to rest and say, no more perfectionism, no more me trying to achieve and be this or that or check that box. I am going to rely on him and him alone and his fruitful, faithful work. You see, Jesus made this statement, John 15, 5, just hours before he was arrested, falsely accused, beaten, and then suffered and died on a cross. And on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. And now, right now, what he's doing, ladies, he's pleading God's promises on your behalf. Do you realize that? And Jesus himself taught us that our value, your value, is not gained by keeping all the plates spinning without help. It is relying on his finished work and trusting him repeatedly to rescue us from sin that so easily puts us into a slave or bondage place. By faith, it's actually not just seeing and knowing truth, but savoring it, delighting in it, Longing for his truth and then proclaiming it with joy in our hearts. His worth establishes our worth and our identity. So how do you begin to do that? Just a couple things practically thinking. First of all, ladies, reject the lies you are believing about your worth that it is defined by what you look like or what you do or by being independent. Reject it. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And then secondly, ask the Lord to give you faith to not just know this truth. I know many of you know this, but to treasure it, treasure it. Value it more than anything that Christ alone is sufficient. That he alone has done all the work. That you simply need to be in the posture of a branch of receiving 
all the fruitfulness God wants to flow in your direction. Praise God for his magnificent, magnificent salvation. Lord, we just thank you for the worth of a woman. It's not just determined by what we look like, by what we do, by staying independent. It's determined only, only by you. You, Lord. You, Lord, are the one we want to know. Holy Spirit, change hearts right now, we pray, in this room and online. God, please give us spiritual eyes, Ephesians 1.18, to be enlightened and see what you have done. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we praise you. You're enough, Lord. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.